to God, hallelujah. Welcome to Dominion Sonship Live again. Here we go, Sunday Live. Glory to God. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up. Woo! Um, today's message is triumphant love. Triumphant love. We, we, we have really been climbing this, 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 this place of the glory of the Lord, the mount of God, should I say it in the spirit. And just looking over the many weeks and the many titles that he would give me and I, I'm really mindful of the moment when we start moving into hope and looking at Romans 4 and 5 with Father Abraham and, and really uh, talking about being risen to hope and we camped there for a while and of course from then we moved into faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for and so was the platform into faith and now here of course, faith works by love, and we have the last three weeks been talking about the love of God, that God is love, and the reality of who God is in, in the fast of God is love is to impact our understanding of, 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 of the true divine mind that He is and that He is love. And without a revelation of the love of God, we are really ineffective in the working of of our faith because faith works by love and so without the revelation of who God is the one who placed this faith of the Son of God in us we really have nothing to stand on and so we'll be fumbling in the dark trying to pick this formula and that setup to make something work which is already working by right? just believing the love of God faith works over this week I knew I was going to continue on, on, on love again and um, and it was coming to me the the undefeatable love, that love cannot be defeated, that love, last week it was the conquest of love, and so God phrased me with the title, the triumphant love, that love is triumphant, and when in, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes regarding the love of God, and who really God is, the persona of God in those characteristics that are so most holy and lofty, and without a divine nature that we are partakers of, we'll not be able to walk patience. We'll not be able to walk out kindness. We'll not be able to walk out that demonstration of love on earth. And so right in chapter 14, one, it, then it's, it's, it follows with pursue love. And some translations read follow after love or eagerly pursue love. And God spoke to me that when you pursue love, you pursue triumph. When you pursue love, you're pursuing triumph. Sure. That's why he says, follow me. To every single disciple, he said, follow me. To every single disciple, Jesus said, follow me. To the rich young ruler, he said, follow me. And, and, um, and also, we know Paul writing that, that, that Jesus always leads us into triumph. So when we follow Jesus, who are we following? We're following love. We're following triumph. And so God said, when you pursue love, you're pursuing triumph. Not so much uh, in terms of a carnal thought process, Gee, I better follow Jesus because I really need a breakthrough here. No, 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 no. Follow him. See him alone and triumph will be the byproduct. 
walk in triumph. It's a fact. It's a given. It's a divine reality. Praise God. Uh, Mike's on. And so the reality of the love of God is really the reality of the triumph that we have in Christ. The reality of the love of God is truly the reality and the assurance of triumph. And that's why if we go back to even if we just reread all the verses we read over the last weeks and we substitute love for triumph, we are born of God who is triumph, who is the victor. And because we're born of God now, the greater one lives in me. Triumph leads in me and trumps over every lower reality, which is failure. It's a failure. It's not my portion in Christ. And when we pursue love, when we pursue the living Christ, when we follow after him earnestly and eagerly with all forsaking what was, forsaking what was, triumph is our portion because it's triumphant love. So I'm going to slow down just a bit to build again another case here. Last week in, in, love being the conquest we looked at in in first john especially but also in ephesians 5 that god is light and god is love and that god is not 50 percent love 50 percent light god is all love and god is all light and so we saw that love is light and light is love and then we also added that god is justice god is truth god is mercy and, and so no matter which word you use in that moment that he identifies himself in your moment we can't let go that god is love that god is light not just justice but he is all and all and all and every lofty moment and every divine expression of purity and holiness god is it's not just a little bit of this and a little bit of that and we mix it up and get a cake. No, God is truth. God is love. God is light. And so what a perfect example God led me to in, in uh, John 8, which is an adulteress faces the light of the world. It's my subtitle in the New King James Bible here. And we know the story that, that here early in the morning, there was a woman caught in the very act of adultery and, and the Pharisees, you know, they, they, the scribes, they, they, they dragged her before themselves and, and they were condemning her and, um, and wanting to, um, put a snare for Jesus. What would Jesus do in this moment? They said to him in John 8, 4, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, such should be stoned, should, the penalty for this should be stoned, which is an assured death, a painful death, merciless death, one stone after the other, here comes death. It's not a sudden, it's one after the other, stone, and you're watching it and comes death. As was Stephen stoned. The penalty for this act in the law of Moses, in the decree of God, in the legal system of justice is stoning. What do you say? This they said not because they were for the law or for a righteous cause. Their hearts were wrong. Their hearts were wrong. Why this? To test God. To test God. They said, 
testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him, to accuse God, to use the very righteous legal system against his own self. What perjury, what callousness of heart. The very ones that are supposed to represent the love of the law to the people. The very ones that were supposed to bring life through these decrees and freedom and liberty and healing to the people are using the kindness of God to condemn the people. Ah, oh, what did Jesus do? Totally ignore them. Ignore your accusers. Just ignore them. Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. God does not hear an accusation against himself. God does not even hear an accusation against you. God does not hear accusation. Accusation and condemnation is not the voice of God. And God does not hear that. His ear is not trained for that wickedness. So what, what are the next words? What did Jesus speak in verse 7? He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And so he convicted their conscience. And we know the rest of the story is they, they, they scattered one after the other, starting with the oldest, I believe. Yeah, even to the last. What I wrote down is love knows all our sins, but does not throw a stone at us. He says in verse 10, to the woman now, he attends to the, to the one, that death was imminent, that her just penalty was death to that one, justice stands in front of her, who God is justice. Stands in front of her. The word, the logos of God. The one whose words were transcribed by Moses. Stands in front of her. Because before the foundation of the world, he had foreseen this woman. And he knew how it was going to go for her. Stands before her. And he says, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. She recognized this is the Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Love does not condemn, but graces you to sin no more. Love gives the way of escape out of the snare, out of that which had a hold on you. Love gives the way out. A revelation of the love of God that I am love is my way out of every snare, is my way out of every impossibility. It's my way out of every death sentence. Love, the very love of God, which is his life in me, is my way of escape out of every condemning moment, out of every accusing moment, out of every moment that illegally is, 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 has, has defined me as to be stoned. 
But love does not stone. Love only makes a way of escape. Last week, the Lord spoke to me during the, the moment of worship. He said, God came to rescue the heart of men from hatred. And uh, we looked at that. That was last week. And here we see what hatred looks like. Hatred looks like condemnation. Hatred looks like accusation. Hatred looks like wanting to stone for the pleasure of it, of making myself feel just. And right after that, so here we saw a demonstration of the love and of the justice and of the mercy of who God is. And right after that, out of all the conflicts that God could have used his word to speak who he is, the word being Jesus, Jesus says in verse 12, and Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Paul in, in Ephesians 5, in the beginning says, uh, walk in love. And I think in verse 8, in that same chapter, he says, walk as children of light. But now we're going to go to 1 John. 1 John. Let's see. 1 5. 1 John 1 5. Sorry. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. What's the message that we just read in, in John? This is John writing, right? So here in John 8, he writes the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have eternal life. He ministered light to this woman. He ministered love to this woman. He ministered justice to this woman. He ministered light to this woman. And John in, in 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This is the message that we have heard. When? Right here with the woman caught in adultery. They saw light in manifestation. In the midst of darkness, they saw light. And what did light do? Light brought clarity. Light brought a way out. Light, light brought forth a transformation of heart to sin no more. Verse 6 in 1 John uh, 1. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ, of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Love, light. Blood, love, cleanses us of all sin. And so here in chapter 2, 9, we see the same. 1 John 2, 9, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in light. So here we're seeing love and light being the same because if you're in the light, you do not have hate. And if you have love in your heart, then you're in the light. 
Verse 10 again, he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no no cause for stumbling in him. That's why Jesus said here, back, back to John John 8, I am the light of the world. He who follows me does shall not walk in darkness, but in the light of life. What is the light of life? It's love. Love. In love, there's no stumbling. In love, there is no darkness. In love, there's only freedom of expression to know I am loved. What does it look like when, as a little child, those that were brought in, in homes that were loving homes, for a child to know they're loved, there's no care. You just are. You just are. You know you are. You know you're loved. You know you're loved. That's the ultimate liberty in the heart of man is to know I'm loved. That's why he says in 1 John 4, love has been, 4, 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. Some translations says we may have confidence in the day of judgment, that we might have confidence. Love gives me confidence to stand before God. As we saw here with the woman caught in the very act of sin. To stand up. And to sin no more. To walk in the light of his life. Which is love. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Just go back to 1 John 2. 10 finishes, there's no, no cause for stumbling. If, if you love your brother, you abide in the light. There's no cause for stumbling in him. 11, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We also know Paul writes, who is the one that darkens our sight? That did not hear the gospel, the message of salvation, Satan. Blinds our hearts, blinds our eyes. And that's why how appropriate that God spoke to me. God came to rescue the heart of man from hatred. Hatred blinds you. Hatred is Satan himself. If God is love, Satan is hatred. And out of love flows faith. Out of hatred flows fear. The master spirit of Satan is hatred. Fear is a byproduct of hatred. It's the enslavement work of hatred. Whereas faith is the freeing work of love. Glory be to God. Let's go to um, chapter 3 here. No, we're still, we're still into, I'm sorry, 2.15. Because the, the core of this is the love of God. Do not love the world or the things in the world. 2.15, First John. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Who is the prince of the world? Who is the ruler of the world? Satan. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father. All that's in the world, and he defines what all is. In case we thought there was something good, 
of our spiritual operation with the things of the world. There is a benefit to the spirit that's in the world. There is no benefit to the believer. But it's in total opposition to God. And the love, the love of the world, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, vanity, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The purpose of my life, the ultimate thrill of my life, the ultimate fulfillment of my life is to do the will of God. And all the fun is in it. All the enjoyment is in the will of the Father. There's no such thing as, here I'm doing the will of God and yet I also entertain with the world. The mixture of it is pollution. It's an ensnarement. And without the love of God, we'll love the wrong thing. Because what controls my life is my heart. The meditations that are in my heart. That which I ponder on as a man thinks so is he. That which I believe I am in, in, and, and it's coming out. And it's, it's the, the, the life force of my life is coming from where? The issues of my heart. They stem from my heart. The issues of my life, they come from my heart. The, what dictates my moment of living on earth is actually my persuasion. What I believe. Because I'll follow after that which I believe. And if heaven is not my treasure, I will not follow after him. I'll pursue another. I'll not pursue love. And if, 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 if love is triumph, and if he always leads me into triumph, and I'm to pursue him, and he always leads me in triumph, then if I don't pursue him... Out of a lack of revelation of the love of God, I'm pursuing another, which is failure, disappointment, heartache, heartbreak. Then, when we catch ourselves in that moment, we turn to God and we accuse God. He doesn't hear an accusation. But his love for you is an ending. And he'll come to your rescue. But the love of God is our safety. The love of God is our safety. Let's go to, uh, back to, to John, the book of John, the gospel of John, John 3. So often we quote that, that we've just not really gotten the light of this particular verse, John 3, 16 and thereafter. If we start 15, whoever believes in him, in the Son of Man, they will be lifted up for us has been lifted up for us. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, eternal life, and that's what he said, I am the light of the world. And in John 7 here, he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Of course, that's eternal life. That's eternal life. So here we find that, that if we believe in him, we'll not perish, but we'll have eternal life. We'll have the light of the world. Why? Because God so loved, again, the very love of God. For God so loved, verse 16, the world that he gave his only begotten son to really rescue us 
from that which is in the world that we just read in 1 John, the lust of the eyes and of the flesh and the pride of life. All that's in the world is that ensnared us, that, that are really a reflection of the kingdom of darkness. That he came, and in Colossians, Paul writes that he transferred us, he delivered us out of this kingdom of darkness and put us into this kingdom of the son of his love, into this kingdom of light, that we can now walk as his children on earth, born of love, born of light, and reflect his light to another. Because we are now the light of the world. Because we are of him. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 17. For God did not send his son. Which is really neat. Do you know what's neat about this? If I read verse 16, this is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we go to 1 John 3, 16, have you ever done that? 1 John 3, 16 says the same thing. For this is love. 1 John 3, 16. For this we know. By this we know love. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Because he laid down his life. So verse 16, if you go back to John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn. Uh, what a perfect example with the woman caught in the act of adultery. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He says, neither do I condemn you. Where are your accusers, he told that lady. Neither do I condemn you. He did not come to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to stone us. That we're worthy of stoning. He didn't come to stone us. But that the world through him might be saved. Love came to save us. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. This is the condemnation. The, the light has come into the world and men loved what? Darkness. They hated light and loved the world. He says, if you have the love of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That is the ultimate condemnation. Romans 8 is those, the condemnation in Christ Jesus is no more. But if you continue to walk in the dictates of your flesh, condemnation is the portion of the flesh. Because the flesh loves the world. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. You see, it's all about love and hate. Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deed should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. He who loves the word, which is the truth. He who loves the word, which is the truth, comes to light. These deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That they have been 
done in God. Let's go to John 15 from here. If we start at 16, we're going towards 18. But you did not choose me, but I chose you, Jesus says. You know, that's how we know love, that he died for us, that he loved us first. He said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. Right after that. So I command you that you love one another. And if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. We just read it in John 3. That was the condemnation. The light came and they loved darkness and they hated the light. So Jesus, they hated me first. I loved you first, but they hated me first. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. The world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, we're not of it. We're out of it. We're not of the world. We're out of the world. We've been plucked out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been plucked out of the kingdom of darkness. We're not of the world. We're out of the world. But I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is no longer, no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Another verse that I, we don't want to be meditating too much. It's uh, Matthew 10, 22. And you will be hated by all <laughs> for my name's sake. Moving right along. <laughs> Persecution is part of the revelation of the love of God. When we have a revelation of the love of God, persecution is part of it. But we're not... When we know the love of God, it so overwhelms us and captivates our gaze and communicates truth to us that it's... We walk earth not in it, but out of it. So it really has no hold on us. We're very much aware of it. But it has no hold on us. Because it's, you're not in the world. You're, I've taken you out. I've chosen you out. And so it has no hold on us. Because who has hold? The love of God has a hold on me. The love of God has a hold on me. And when I'm held by the love of God, no man can snatch me out of his hands. I'm kept. By the power of God, as I believe, His love, I'm kept. If we go to First Peter one five, I believe it was that we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last hour. That word to be kept is to be protected. We're protected by the power, which is the dunamis. And we looked at from Ephesians one nineteen a couple of messages back that. This is a true reflection of the love of God. 
because dunamis was part of the four power words that were listed in, in Ephesians 1.19, but which power he raised Jesus from the dead, uh, the resurrection power, which we know because God so loved his son, he gave him to be a propitiation for us. And that when he died and was raised by the Father, he raised us up together with the Son because he so loved us and so loved raised up Jesus. And, and as Jesus was raised up, we were raised up together with him so we can be now called children of God. And so this is the power love keeps us. So when I'm kept by the power of love, that's why I called it the Lord gave me a triumphant love. Because we're born of God and because we're born of God, if we go back to First um, John 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you, he who is in you, <laughs> love is in me, light is in me, justice is in me, mercy is in me. He who is in you, the word of God is in me, the truth of the word of God is in me. And he who is in me is far greater than the lies and the accusations and the, the stoning desire of, uh, of the judgmental systems. Far greater is love in me. Far greater is truth in me. Verse 6, we are of God. <laughs> we are of God. And he who knows God hears us. Glory be to God. So if we go now to, to 7, I read 17. But just for the context, I wanted to read 18. But let's, let's start at 17. Oh, let's do 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love of God. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God. When I am fully aware that God is love and that I am loved by him, I am his now, God lives in me. And I live in God. Love has been perfected. That's, that's from the word telos, perfected. Complete among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. When I know I'm loved, I have confidence. When I know I'm loved, there's no hatred. When I know I'm loved, there's assurance. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love, and that's again from Telos, the word Telos. And I wanted to look that word. I wanted to look it up. I took a snapshot of it. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect is mature love. It's the same verse as what we looked at, the same word as what we looked in 17, that love has been perfected, matured among us. This is from telos, and it means having reached its end, complete, perfect in all of its parts, full grown of full age. So, so love developed, love full grown, love meditated upon and upon and upon, going from glory to glory to glory, a transformation into this love, love uh, revelation is bringing forth a maturity, bringing forth a perfection in my life. I love the word study of it. 
it's mature, consummated from going through the necessary stages to reach the end goal, developed into a consummating completion by fulfilling the necessary process spiritual journey. It's a process. Be patient in the process. That's why patience has been given to us by the Holy Ghost, to help us grow. Be patient in the process. This root word tell from intelos means reaching the end, aim. I love this verse in Matthias would like this. It is well illustrated with the old pirate's telescope unfolding, extending out one stage at a time to function at full strength, capacity, and effectiveness. And so the love of God is being matured in us, stretching us out, the full stature of Christ, that we ha, be perfected, fully, fully functioning at top capacity. Filling the earth, subduing, multiplying, extending, advancing the kingdom of God, only through a revelation of the love of God. Are we mature? I looked up some other uh, words with this. It's, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 10. Would tell us, mature, perfect, perfected. 1 Corinthians 13. This is in the, to do in the chapter, of course, the love of God. I, it's neat because I looked at it in a brand new light and, and yesterday God confirmed that which I was perceiving. So let's go to eight. Love never fails. <laughs> no fear of failure in love. There's no fear of failure in love. Love never fails. That's a triumphant love. It's triumphant love because love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. You see, because the progression of the revelation of the love of God. We prophesy from the place of development that we are in Christ. And as we grow with the love of God, the next phase of the prophetic is even stronger, so the Lord just vanished. Where their tongues, even the proficiency of all tongues, depended on the love of God, the revelation of the love of God. The effectiveness of, of the knowledge, whether there is knowledge, will vanish, is dependent on the revelation of the love of God. For if we know in part, and we prophesy in part, for we know in part, prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And of course, I've always talked of, you know, heaven and of course heaven. But there is also a degree that we are walking in even here now. And God paraphrased it. Completeness, full revelation, love full grown in my heart. The revelation of the love of God, the completeness of it drives out partiality. It drives out partiality. It drives out the wavering. It, it drives out, which I know in part, it drives out the doubt and unbelief to bring me to full assurance and full persuasion that I am love. And the completeness of that perfect knowledge and understanding brings forth ilamata, a revelation of sonship that we haven't even touched. Our mind can't even grasp it. 
to be in the same class as God, to be fellows of God, to be associates of the God kind, to be ministers of God on earth, to be ministers of Christ, ministers of this divine word, to have been given the privilege to handle living life. The completeness of that revelation of I am loved. God first loved me. And that's what God's, if we go back to 1 John 4, 1 John 4, 18, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love, matured, full-grown love. The one that drives up per shot, that one day I believe God loves, the next day I don't believe God loves me. One day, one day I, I heard, okay, uh, get up, get, I love you, get up, sin no more, and grace is given, I'm beginning to walk it out. The next day I'm down in dumps again, he doesn't love me anymore, I need to be stoned. Someone stone me, please stone me. That oscillation, partiality, perfect love drives it out. There is no fear in love. Why? But perfect love, what they say, drives it out, casts out. Why did Jesus go about casting out demons? Perfect love casts out fear. Why? Fear involves torment. That's Satan's kingdom. Cannot stand in his presence. When you're perfectly matured in the love of God, you will cast, it will just flee from you. The love of God casts it out. That's the dominion of the love of God. The dominion of the love of God casts out fear, casts out torment, casts out hatred. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He who fears... He who fears, if there's still fear, it just tells you I need to grow up in love. Has not been made perfect in love, meaning I haven't fully grown yet. And all of us need to grow more. No, even Paul says I haven't arrived yet. Actually, that's another moment there in Philippians, in Philippians 3, that um, the word perfect, matured, is used. Philippians, where is Philippians? Right here. Okay, Philippians 3, let's do 12. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected. Right? Perfect. I haven't, I'm not full grown yet. Paul writes that. But I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold. I press on in, in the context of what we're speaking. And I, I know this is, this is, this is the one who wrote 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love. I press on. I pursue love. I follow after him. To lay hold of that which he's laid hold of me. To, that he first loved me. To bring this rea- reality, this revelation of the love of God in me. That he loves me. And now I am as he is. And so... He's saying, I'm pressing on towards that revelation. I'm pressing on that I may lay hold of that for which he, he's, he laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, 
let us, as many as are mature, that's the word, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Meaning, the mature think this way. The mature know there is a press. The mature know I'm, 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 I'm found in the press. The mature know I haven't gotten it all, to, all, all, all perfected yet through the love of God. But one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget what was and I'm going to press. That's, that's the mindset of the mature. So then back to 1 John 4. He who fears not been made perfect in love. 19. I mean, if anyone had an opportunity to fear, it would have been Paul. Shipwrecked. Fought. Was it in Ephesus with the beasts? Did not face him. Did I finished my, my, my course. I've run this race. Now there's a crown waiting for me. He said, all of them forsook me on my first defense. That's okay. God stood by me. If there was anyone that, that should have feared, it should have been Paul. But Paul pressed in this revelation of the love of God. And God showed me that this verse 19 is what maturity looks like. In the most profoundest and simplest manner. We love him because he first loved us. That's the revelation of the mature. I don't need to love him. Do I love God? I don't know. Maybe I don't love God enough. I gotta love God some more. Oh my, if I don't love God, God's not gonna love me. Oh, I miss it again. I must surely not love God. No, no, no. Scrap all of that religiosity. The truth is he loved me first. And my heart responds to his love. <laughs> it's the freedom of the gospel. The freedom of the message of the love of God is that we love him because he first loved us. And so we do now is respond. All we do now is respond to the love of God. We respond to the love of God by following after God. Glory be to God. I think I'll wrap it up here and we'll continue from here next Sunday. Glory be to God. Thank you. Hallelujah.